0: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Upshift, the No Direction Network's News... Sorry, No Direction Network's Essence 20 News Previews, interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Costello. I'll be solo tonight. Param has been uh, taking the month off from No Direction responsibilities to kind of like uh, recharge his engines, but that's all right because I have plenty to talk about now. The G.I. Joe role-playing game officially released yesterday. I was going to say two days ago, but no, not even Officially released yesterday Now people that pre-ordered Have had their copies At least their PDF copies For at least two weeks now And uh, just because Renegade Wanted to make sure that people Receive their copies By the release date A lot of them also have Their physical copies too Uh, And I'm actually going to Jump ahead to my first question here It's from Van Dragon Eldish Asking if I have the physical copy in hand I don't And honestly That's (laughs) That's been stressing me out So my daughter's bus stop Is right in front of our mailbox we have a community mailbox and every morning i go there and i check and i'm just hoping i'm hoping that the rulebook's in there and so far it hasn't been and then today i went in there and there was the key the key is to open the bigger doors which is where packages tend to get delivered and i was so excited because it was like this is it perfect timing i mean earlier would be better but as far as like getting it in time for tonight's episode that would have been perfect And I opened it, and no, it was another package, and never been so disappointed to get a package. I really was hoping to be able to show a physical copy of the book. I have been working off a PDF for a couple of months now, and I'm used to it. Like, I I know the ins and outs of my PDF. Uh, I just also like physical books. I'd love to dedicate a shelf just to my Essence 20 books, and I would like to have the G.I. Joe book so that I can start that shelf off. And, you know, if I have to wait for Power Rangers and Transformers and everything else that comes out, I'm okay with that. But G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe is my baby. You know, along with uh, Ben and Page, who were also the co-authors on this. But, like, as far as my commitment to something, if there was ever a role-playing game that I would say, this is my baby, it's the G.I. Joe role-playing game. Probably whether I wrote for it or not. All right, all that said, I've gotten van's first question out of the way we've gotten a uh, about a dozen questions so far people when you if, excuse me people if you are listening live you can still use the geek together chat channel to ask more questions i'll be going into these to the best of my abilities but there's a couple of caveats one of them is that i am not an employee of renegade game studios or at least not a, a full-time employee i freelance for renegade game studios so i actually only have a certain amount of input into Decision making that is going on related to these games and had absolutely nothing to do with getting the license, so there's only so much that I can weigh in on for certain information there. Uh, and second of all, I am under several NDAs, and so as much as I would like to answer every question to the best of my ability, I can't even say when I'm under NDA because that kind of gives away. Like, if you say, Hey, is there a book about Uh, We've already announced Cobra, so like, let's say we hadn't announced Cobra, and someone's like, hey, is there going to be a Cobra book? I couldn't say yes, and I couldn't say uh, that I would say yes if I didn't have an NDA, because that's basically saying yes. So, I'm sorry. I like to be an honest person. I have a very hard time not telling the whole truth and (laughs) talking at length about the truth. But in this case, I just can't. So if it ends up I have lied to you tonight, tonight about anything, I'm sorry. It's just one of those things. So, going with Dave Sims' first question. Dave uh, is one of my new friends from the Renegade Game Studios Discord. I uh, spent most of my time, like up until a couple of months ago, 99% of my time on Discord was spent in the No Direction Network channel. For those who don't know, the No Direction Network started as a Pathfinder News Reviews and Interviews podcast uh, and then became a network. We've got blogs, we've got other podcasts, we've got actual plays uh, as... Paizo expanded and introduced new games like Starfinder and some of their board games. We started covering those, and they got dedicated shows. And then we started broadening out from there. So uh, we are still mostly known as Pathfinder and Starfinder coverage, but especially now with Essence 20 and with things like um, Rob Pontius's Investing In blog, we've started to branch out to a lot of other indie games and smaller games. We haven't really covered Dungeons & Dragons since we were covering it as 3.5 Private Sanctuary, which was when 3.5 Dungeons Dragons was no longer being published. We were the, the plucky, stubborn gamers that were sticking to the edition that we liked. Um, but yeah, so now Essence 20 is becoming slowly a growing part of our network, uh, but it's also becoming a, a much larger part of my life. So now my time on Discord is split between the No Direction Network and the Renegade Game Studios Discord server. So uh, as I was saying, Dave Sims is one of the people that has been posting a lot on the Renegade Game Studios Network. Uh, not network discord and it's really nice to have him over here so hi dave yeah oh wait a second david says i cannot confirm nor deny another's actions or inactions this is what i would say oh okay about ndas uh you know what we'll see if that ever comes up all right so dave's first question was has there been any thought about just a core essence 20 book with no ip attached so um There has been that kind of conversation, but there's no plans. There's definitely nothing been announced about just an Essence 20 core book. And there's a couple of factors that you have to keep in mind. One is that Renegade is paying for the licenses. And so the only reason Essence 20 exists is for these licensed games. Or at least, sorry, the only reason Essence 20 was created was to have a system for these licensed games. Renegade owns Essence 20. So in the future... If these licenses ever expire or if they just decide to also have their own product, a standalone Essence 20 game is totally viable. In fact, I think multiple ones, one dedicated to each different genre would be totally viable for products. But for now, while the brands are costing Renegade money to, you know, to have the right to release for them, they want to commit all of their resources to getting these games out there. On top of that, As much as we want these games to be cross-compatible, so if you are a fan of Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, any combination of those, and you have dreams of mixing and matching, or if you're only a fan of one, but you know that the other IPs have value to your campaign with whichever one of those IPs you're a fan of, um, we want to be able to say, yes, they're cross-compatible. But if you are only here for the one game, we don't want to say, buy this, the G.I. Joe rulebook. And by the Essence 20 action rule book, and that'll be all you need. Now, we really do want to say you just have to get the one book for the IP, and it has the base rules, it has everything you need to run that IP. Expand if you want, you can do that too. So let me just double check how I've answered this question. Has there any been any thoughts about just a core Essence 20 book with no IPs attached? So yes, yes, there has been thoughts, but no, there are no plans at the moment. Uh, Dragon Elvish's question we already covered Do I have a physical copy of the book? No Uh, He should see if the store has it tomorrow Yeah, I actually haven't been to a game store You know, in a while Actually since Free RPG Day But uh, I especially haven't been to a game store Since the book came out And I was just talking to uh, No Direction fan Folklan Who in the Essence 20 channel posted a picture Of their local gaming store, The Source Oh sorry, apparently it's a local comic book store and the source went all in on the G.I. Joe role-playing game. They have six copies on a rack, which I feel like that is a real commitment to the game and the brand, and it's really exciting to see. That's the first in-the-wild picture. Like I've seen people in hand, but as far as on a game shelf, this is the first picture of that, and I really should get to a game store just to see this book on a, like, on a shelf, in its natural habitat, and I could be all sneaky and not really mention that I am one of the authors on the book, or I could be all, you know, big time and totally be like, you know, I, I co-wrote that. And uh, the main reason that I would be more of a celebrity is that uh, it would give me the chance to say, and if you want me to run it, if you want to organize some kind of regular games here, <laughs> I just saw bunk 283 saying I should secretly sign them. I will not be doing that because that could get me in trouble and, um, yeah, I, if they want me to sign them, I am willing to do it, but I'm not going to secretly sign anything. That's just destroying product. Uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a, uh, what's her name? Um, Charlize Theron movie called young adult, where she was the ghostwriter for a young adult series. And she was kind of having an identity crisis. She just goes and starts signing the books that she ghost wrote for. So her name's not on the book. She's signing them, and she got in trouble. So maybe maybe I'm just worried about that happening with me, even though my name is totally on the book. So going back to the question. Uh, oh, actually, it was, do I have the physical copy in hand? No, I was just kind of elaborating on that. So we can move on to Dave Sims' next question. Dave Sims asks, will there be a book that helps with crossovers? So that sounds like a cool idea, and it is not something that we could do in any one of the books. Like, we cannot have, here's the G.I. Joe book, by the way, here's the chapter at the end for infusing Power Rangers into the game. And here's the chapter about uh mixing it with Transformers. Because we really want... Like, if you're buying G.I. Joe, you're getting G.I. Joe. But the thing is that the even though the, the games are cross-compatible, you can bring a Power Rangers character into your G.I. Joe game. They will be balanced against each other. Same thing for Transformers. Um, you'll have to make allowances for the storytelling because power rangers assumes a chunk of the story will be secret identity stuff gi joe assumes you'll be getting a mission you'll be getting like uh, mission resources etc and transformers assumes that when people are around you are a vehicle and you are in disguise so um that's narrative stuff like that's stuff you don't need rules for but if you want to play a gi joe role in power rangers While it's balanced, it's missing a lot of the elements that makes a role a Power Rangers role, specifically the Morphin Shell, so it's Morphin Time, Zords, Power Weapons. So um, that's the kind of stuff that we would need a book, a dedicated book, just to cover those kinds of options. And what worries me about a book like that is uh, just getting approval, because, you know, it's part of the process when you're dealing with licenses. You have to make sure that the people that you are licensing from are happy with the product, and although we are licensing from Hasbro, there's multiple teams that have to, you know, each each of these is a million-billion-dollar brand, and so they each have their own team. There's a lot of an approval process that goes on for each one. So one that mixes any combination of these uh, together. Actually, uh, combinations, that's an interesting way of doing it because we definitely know G.I. Joe and Transformers have crossed over a lot. And so having a specific G.I. Joe Transformers crossover book would be interesting. And recently, Transformers and My Little Pony have crossed over. And while My Little Pony role-playing game isn't out yet, it has been announced that it's going to be an Essence 20 game. They will be cross-compatible. And uh, we know what those stories would be like, and now, like, comic art exists for it. So it's even something that we could theoretically see if we can get access to that art. Um, but then there's stuff like... Power Rangers has not crossed over with any of the IPs that I know of. Was there a Transformers Power Rangers crossover? That's the only one that's that's maybe. So like it would be weird if we only had the two crossover books, a G.I. Joe Transformers and a Transformers My Little Pony book. Um, because it would just feel like, well, we gotta complete the set. We gotta find every Venn diagram and and make a crossover book there. Um And some would be much more expensive than the other, which would be very hard from the publishing point of view to justify, well, we need the Power Rangers G.I. Joe one, even though there is no existing art for a G.I. Joe Power Rangers crossover. If we could convince the license holders, and at this point we're not even sure who's going to have the G.I. Joe license for comics at the end of the year. Um, But yeah, if we could say, hey, now that you've got this license, talk to the Power Rangers people. Uh, Boom or Dynamite? I think it's Boom. Boom Studios has Power Rangers. And this theoretical publisher has G.I. Joe and we tell them, hey, get the ball running early by doing this crossover and then let us use that art, please. Um, anyway, this is all just kind of kind of uh, spitballing a possible way that we could do a very specific product that nobody asked about. So uh, to get back to the question and just to make sure that we got it all right. Will there be a book that helps with crossovers? Uh, there would need to be a book to cover a lot of the crossovers. Although, actually, I guess if Renegade wanted to do a blog series ooh, or a free RPG pro- day product, that would be a good way to do it because the last free RPG day product, Enter the Collection, was compatible with all three of the IPs that were planned. Like the first volley, I know that we've got four IPs announced. I just think of My Little Pony as the start of the next phase of the book. So if I talk like I am focusing more on Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. It is not to neglect My Little Pony. It's just how I've categorized them in my head. I've even written for My Little Pony. I did a big chunk of that rulebook. I wrote all the roles. I, in fact, I wrote the origins, influences, and roles, and the magic system. So it's no slight to My Little Pony. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just uh, the, the IP that I think of as a different branch of this license that Renegade has. Um, yeah, so back to potentially as a free RPG day product where it would be, uh, it would have to be either a very big book, which would get expensive and makes it unlikely to happen, or it would have to be a very short adventure that is half uh, specific, or no, to avoid the whole approval thing, one way they can do it is just here are broad rules for mixing and matching the rules that exist right now for Essence 20, and if we never mention specific brands and books in that product it could just be the first i guess the second generic essence 20 but the first essence, generic essence 20 rule book to help with any of those crossovers there all right hoth commander 80 uh, 27 who i know as outback scott do you have a rough estimate of how many Giorgio books you will make uh roughly speaking i know that renegade is all in on essence 20 and these brands i don't know the details of the uh, the contracts i don't know how long they will continue to go but i just know that uh it's it's not over anytime soon this is something that renegade has really committed to they've gone really deep into becoming an rpg publisher because renegade was mostly a tabletop game publisher and then they started to produce some RPGs and they started to get awards for the RPGs. Things like uh, what is it? Alice is Missing, Kids on Bikes. Those are all um, award winning. I, I believe they're all award winning role playing games. If they haven't won awards, they've been at least nominated. And if they haven't been nominated, at least I've heard good things about those role playing games. Uh, I don't tend to play role playing games outside of the one that I do. So, used to be Pathfinder, now it's Essence 20. Uh, but anyway, so like they were doing, they, they were a big established company. That was doing these indie RPGs, but now they're doing big book RPGs. These are the kind of things that you might find, theoretically, in a Walmart, a a big box store. So, um, anyway, yeah. So, Renegade is really, like, upped their game in the RPG industry with this volley of uh, RPGs based on, again, these million-billion-dollar IPs. But as far as specifically how many books G.I. Joe will make, I, I don't have a specific number. I know that there's the Cobra one uh, has already been turned over for layout and editing and the, the approval process. And there are future ones planned and being worked on. Oh, and we have already know that Operation Cold Iron, that four-part adventure, um, I wrote uh, one part of it and then co-wrote a part with uh, Justin Bell. And then Ben and Page, who are my co-authors on the core rulebook, co-authored two parts of it as well. So that is coming out. That's coming up before the Cobra book, I believe. It's already got cover art and it's already been... Art's already been approved for it, although the only thing that's been previewed is that cover art. So I believe we're going to... You can definitely expect more adventures. You can definitely expect more rulebooks. uh, And I don't know how many to expect, but hopefully lots of them. Because I am having a blast with this system and especially I'm having a blast as, like, somebody that's really deep into the system and, like, one of the faces of the book. All right, Dave Sims, What are your favorite things that you did in the book? Ooh, okay. Let me see. Well, it's the adventure. Probably the adventure is probably my favorite thing, and, in fact, the GMing chapter at the end, overall, is something that I was very happy with. Um, If you compare it to the Power Rangers chapter, we managed to fit a lot more advice for GMs who uh, might not... Might not have ever run a role playing game before, and so uh, I was happy with that. I was happy to make sure that some, some specific things were caught uh, were called out, like how to do rewards. The idea was always that it would be milestone, but I wanted to make sure that that was explicitly stated somewhere. And then, yeah, uh, the adventure I was very happy with how it turned out because I was not originally supposed to be the one writing the adventure, but then some schedules changed, and then there were suddenly some schedule conflicts. And we were getting fairly late into the writing process, and not only did we not have the adventure written, we didn't have a pitch for the adventure, but I had one in mind of what I would want an adventure for the G.I. Joe role-playing game to be, and I'll try not to do any spoilers for anyone that plans on playing in it, but I knew I wanted it to be in the pit, the G.I. Joe HQ, so that we had an excuse to lay out the entire pit, and then that would be functionally you use it for this adventure, But for the duration of a campaign, you now have the entire layout of the pit, which has been referenced all through the book. So everything is there. The GM that needs it uh, has all the information they need. Plus, uh, if you've played in the adventure and you just need the pit, like then this chunk of the book is no longer like, well, we've run this adventure and now we're never going to reference it again. No, this whole section remains evergreen useful to anyone that is uh, running a judge or role playing game. And um, so the other reason that I'm super proud about this is that I do not write adventures. I have one published adventure to my name before this one. Uh, It was a Pathfinder adventure that kind of had a reputation for being uh, extremely deadly in the first encounter, which is kind of too bad because I I did like the entire adventure overall. Um, But even when I'm running my own games, I do not write down my adventure. I'm not used to writing the adventure format. I get it in my head and then just kind of bounce off my players and an adventure forms communally but you cannot communally write an adventure that needs to be published so for this to be the first giro role-playing game adventure and for me to be the one that's writing it and i'm writing in a way that i think that gms like oh when a question comes up here's something for the gms uh like advice throughout oh i'm really happy with combat which was the name of the captured battle android trooper that um was reprogrammed for sparring Uh, I I think that's a very clever name and I am shocked that Hasbro has never used the name combat for like some kind of leveled up version of the bat. Um, And I like that every section, depending on how you do it, it plays out differently uh, because that is very much my GMing style is that you need room to improvise and uh, I get tripped up when I'm running a published adventure and I don't have room to improvise and I feel weird diverging uh, yeah diverging no diverting from what's written so um yeah so to find a writing a way to write this adventure that worked for me as a gm i was very happy with that so that's the thing i'm proudest of off the top of my head actually all of chapter one the introduction so before essence 20 was written was designed we needed to start writing because we had a fairly tight deadline and so I was just like, all right, well, I could do the introduction. It's just introducing people to the world of G.I. Joe. So I needed to pump out as much G.I. Joe lore as I could in an entertaining way, in a way that if you are a big fan of G.I. Joe, you're finding all kinds of Easter eggs. You're, you're really excited to read this. It's not just like stuff you already know and you're going to breeze past it. So I wanted this to be something that as a fan of G.I. Joe, you would enjoy it. But if you know nothing about G.I. Joe, if you're just picking this up because it's the latest Essence 20 book, I also needed to write this so that everything you need to know about G.I. Joe and Cobra and the world of G.I. Joe is explained very clearly. And so it was like a juggling act of pros and like needs of various different audiences. Um, All before like we even knew how the system was going to work. So it also had to be completely set, uh, sorry, system neutral. And it's, I think it turned out great. It's some of the stuff that I am really proud of having written it. I don't feel like it comes off fan fiction. I feel like it comes off like things I've read in a uh, licensed schedule products, which is what this is. And then the, um, the data files, there was some pushback against them because people were hoping for more stat blocks, or I saw a fairly good argument that within where it's saying like code name, ACE fighter pilot pit duty. And then the quote, Somewhere in there, we could have just crammed in a line about like, and if you're building Ace, here's influences, origin, and role, and focus. And I think that's fair, and that's probably something that we could revisit sometime in the future, and just be like, here's that list of names of characters you just got to know, here's how you would stat them out in the most broadest of terms. But a couple of reasons why we didn't do that is, again, I wrote this before any stats were established for the game, but also if these characters ever appear in a published adventure we don't need to be like, okay, we can only include a very low level character in here if a very specific character character would be a better fit like let's say uh, we want to include Chuckles because you're going undercover and like Chuckles had that really cool arc in the G.I. Joe Cobra book by IDW, and so if we just want to evoke that kind of really like dark undercover feel chuckles would be the perfect character for that but if we decide chuckles is a 12th level character and we need this for a fourth level adventure does chuckles bow out so that he's not overpowering like that's the kind of trouble we would have if we had straight up stats for this and it would take up page count like i had to narrow it down to 80 characters and i really had a lot of objectives of which characters made the cut here i wanted to make sure all the a-list characters made the cut and all the B-list characters. And some people would argue that Snow Job is a B-list character that did not make the cut. And uh, apparently the artist agrees with that because Snowjob is the only character that is not in the data files that appears. Well, okay, Snowjob and uh, uh Dawn, the, the new Snake Eyes, are two characters that appear in art but are not listed as active members of the team. And Snowjob even appears twice. And at least one of those is an original piece commissioned by Renegade. So that was just something that I guess me and Renegade uh, were on a different page about whether Snowjob should be included in this book or not. He's also now on the cover of Operation Cold Iron, so that's a lot of Snowjob for a character that's not one of the ones listed on the active roster. Not that the active roster really dictates who can include what in their book. Like Active roster is just a title that I put on why this list of characters put out there. But anyway, I wanted the A-list to be these characters, potentially the C-list characters, because to me, G.I. Joe is an ensemble cast, so really if it was just that small group of six that you often get, uh, so like Snake Eyes, Duke, Scarlet, Roadblock, Tunnel Rat usually makes the cut there. Um, I guess that's about five. Yeah, I, I as much as I enjoy Sigma Six, which started with uh, that lot of characters, and then G.I. Joe Renegades, the animated series, that also was about those characters on the run. To me, G.I. Joe is, boom, here's a big chunk of characters. They're big personalities. They really have this interesting dynamic. So I wanted to make sure it was a big chunk of characters. And the more um, mechanics we fleshed out in this section, the less room I have to list additional characters and to uh, to you know really be flavorful into how we describe them. I didn't want it to just be like, "Here's Admiral Keelhaul. He is the admiral of the flag." I wanted to give you an idea of who Admiral Keelhall is by way of a quote from somebody else that has worked with uh, with him in this case. And um, of all the characters, at one point I'd narrowed it down to 80, and then I really needed rock and roll for reasons, and he was not included in the active roster. And I didn't like 81, so I wanted to keep it to 80. And so Wildcard is a character that got cut. And Wildcard is a character that's so strong, he breaks everything. And I wanted to add him to the game because I can relate to wildcard. I am notorious for just destroying things. Just my, I have this reputation at work. And one time I was uh, in a room with a new coworker and I just kind of walked past a bookshelf and the framing of the, like the, 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 anyway, we'll say the frame of the bookshelf just kind of blew off because I brushed up against it. And she was like, Oh, it's real. What they say about you. And it's like, yeah, just these hands, so I, I wanted to include Wildcard. Maybe Wildcard will make the cut in the future. Um, any characters that are not on the active roster, if we use them in future publishing, will just be like they're on reserve or they're on a special assignment here. So just because a character is not on this list doesn't mean they can't show up in the future. Um, what was your favorite thing that you did in the book? Yeah, I think that definitely covers it. So uh, the introduction and then the adventure. So I guess. The beginning and the end of the book are my favorite things. I like everything in between, but those two sections in particular really, I think, um, show what I think about G.I. Joe, what I think about role-playing games, and uh, brought it all together. And then his second question is, am I happy with how the game turned out? I don't know if you've noticed my smile, or if you're listening to the audio of this episode, the enthusiasm in my voice, but I am extremely happy with how this turned out, uh, and excited, and I am not joking or just like patting Renegade on the, like, or just promoting Renegade stuff when I say that. Essence 20 right now is my favorite role-playing system. It's this nice combination of simple but flexible and it tells a story really well and it just brings all these IPs to life and there are a couple of areas where it's a little bit of an awkward fit and like if we were just doing a G.I. Joe game, maybe that skill list would be a little bit different. Maybe there would be some elements that would be written a little differently but I don't feel like we compromise too much to create this cross-compatible system and like to give people all these opportunities to just like dump your toy box on the floor and start playing with whatever action figures you've got so yes uh, I am extremely happy with how this game turned out with how essence 20 turned out and uh, the reception that the game's gotten since the game came out uh, like since people have gotten it in their hands, even if some people were um, like people will have their reactions and it hasn't been 100% positive, but it has been mostly positive. And I think some of the uh, questions were once we've clarified some things, people have been a little bit happier with uh, things that they were not super happy with, or didn't quite meet their expectations. Like it doesn't seem like anyone has just thrown the book in the garbage and been really upset with uh, their purchase. So, Hopefully, I don't know if anyone's going to be as happy with this book as I am, because this book makes me very happy, but I hope that people are as happy as they expect it to be with this book, or more so. All right, John, without an H, says, how smoothly will the My Little Pony book cross over with Transformers? I, so mechanically, it will. Even My Little Pony has been designed that um, it is balanced with these other Essence 20 books. So if you want to have Ace in the Sky Striker, Rainbow Dash in her Wonderbolts uniform, just flying side by side, or I guess because it's a Transformer. So if you want a Jetfire to be flying side by side with Rainbow Dash, totally viable. Um, The thing is that the My Little Pony book will be the first Essence 20 book that does not emphasize combat as the major conflict resolution. So you might actually think that that's better because that means that if you are invested in storytelling besides just things ultimately being resolved by, you know, punches and laser guns um, then good news uh, the, uh, My Little Pony will introduce a lot more different kinds of conflicts and there will be more of an emphasis on the smarts and social skills, which unless you are a role that is specifically designed for them I will totally admit is uh, those are the dump stats compared to Everyone will have either a high strength or a high social, except for very specific characters that would work in Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, or Transformers. But in My Little Pony, you can absolutely emphasize strength or social over both... Sorry, did I say strength? I meant smarts and social over both strength and speed, and make a viable character and tell those kinds of stories. So um, I actually haven't read the My Little Pony Transformers crossover comic it's something that uh, is on my. I should get around to this list, but uh, I, I haven't. So I'm not actually sure how they crossed those two brands over. But I know that My Little Pony has absolutely had a lot of combat in uh, in the series. The movie concludes with a big fight between two characters. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was, uh, you know, some combat to resolve the plot of the comic book. But I suspect it's also a lot of emphasis on. Uh, friendship and characters meeting and just being friends like usually in crossovers the two brands will like butt heads for a while and then they'll be friends and team up and i suspect there won't be any butting heads in the transformers my little pony crossover comic and uh in the role-playing game i do not recommend that if you're going to do crossovers that you immediately assume that each other is uh, out to get one another and you just kind of go straight to their buddies and they're teaming up uh, how smoothly will My Little Pony book Crossover Transformers So uh, just to uh, just to Go back to where we began Mechanically, absolutely perfectly uh, Okay, well, you know Fairly perfectly uh, <laughs> they're, they're compatible mechanically And then thematically, it's what you bring to that uh, Campaign, which might Take a little more manipulating Than your average crossover of Vestas 20 products And that goes for My Little Pony And any of the action adventure brands Alright, hoth commander 27 will you possibly be making a vehicle book for gi joe so before the cobra book was announced there were three main books that people were saying i hope this is the next gi joe book one of them was people wanted cobra including playing for cobra which is the part of the cobra book that i thought was the gamble um and also because when i was writing it um those were the sections that made me feel bad because it was like you know oh you're mean and cruel and here's how and it just like oh some of these like it it was still pulpy and over the top but there was still like a an ickiness and i was worried that people would then think they want to play a cobra campaign until they get to the reality of you're playing the bad guys trying to take over the world and it becomes a novelty but then you just go back to playing gi joe which is why i'm glad that the cobra book uh is the crossover It, it has a lot of potential for gms who need cobra information and stat blocks and just like more options and that a lot of the playable player options in that book can also be used for gi joe it's there's very few things that we slap your hands if you try and make a gi joe with those because gi joe's there's so many gi joe characters that a lot of them are rough around the collar and some of the things that might feel like this is a bad guy option also work for some of those good guys um so yeah so of the three books that people were saying like these are the books that we want to follow up the coru book with One of them was Cobra, one of them was a book of NPC stat blocks, and one of them was a vehicle book. So it's on our radar, nothing's been announced, but it's good to know that that is what people want. Um, We definitely, we need to hear that kind of feedback and we need to hear it over and over again. So if you go to Facebook and you see like, oh, somebody already asked for a vehicle book, I'm not going to mention anything. Don't mention anything because the volume makes us know that it's the, uh, the signal to noise ratio is in the signals favor yeah. signals favor all right so will there possibly be a vehicle book for gi joe uh it's a possibility and it's something that i've heard a lot of people want Gonna take another sip so i said we would probably go for about an hour uh we're only about halfway done the questions and it seems like more ones are coming in and we're still holding the entire audience that we've had this whole time so hopefully uh we might go along hopefully you're all enjoying yourselves John without an H says, how open was, has Hasbro left the door for possible future IPs? No idea. Unfortunately, this is completely outside of my wheelhouse. Um, He lifts in brackets mask or Bucky O'Hare, I think would be particularly awesome. Um, So I, I do agree. Like mask would be great and it would be super easy to do even without an official mask book coming out, just once Transformers is out, you should have everything you need to just homebrew your own mask rules. But of course it would be fun to have official mask rules and to have that as a book that could um, add uh, new options that really work for Jejo and really work for Transformers. And I guess it would really work for Power Rangers as well just because there's so many different vehicles in Power Rangers. I don't know Power Rangers very well. And so I do default to what little exposure I had to it as a young teen when it first came out uh, and Mighty Morphin came out. So I do often think like every Power Ranger has the giant Zords that become Mega Zords, but I've also seen pictures now in, you know, now that I've got greater exposure to Power Rangers that that's not the case and that a lot of Power Rangers teams just have different kinds of vehicles. And so Mask would actually, Mask would be a license that I think Renegade should get just because it would be good for every other Reneg- every other Essence 20 game that we've already put out. I guess with My Little Pony being the exception. So every other action adventure Essence 20 game that we've put out. Um, and it would be easy. It would be so easy. We would just need to make sure that somebody knows the Mask lore. And Mask doesn't have that much lore. There was the one cartoon, which I guess you could argue that that uh, third season, I think it was the third season, when instead of being um, like a, basically a a special operative team versus just bad guys that are special operative bad guys. I don't really know how to categorize mask. Uh, But then they all just became race racers, race enthusiasts. And it was Matt tracker against um, uh, mayhem. What's his first name? It's not max mayhem. Is it max mayhem or is that his brother? Miles, miles mayhem. Yeah. So then there's, there's one season of mask where they're just racing each other across America. Uh, It really took a sharp turn. And honestly, if we got the Mask IP and we never acknowledged that season, uh, I, th- I think nobody would complain. So anyway, yeah, like, it would be super easy to get Mask in one core rulebook. You could cover everything you need to in that one book. So it's not like, like, I feel bad for the Power Rangers team and you need to cover 30 years of a single IP that has a single continuity with, you know, spinoffs. I've heard that the, uh, the original movie is considered its own separate universe that has crossover with them. Anyway, like continuity stuff. Um, whereas with GI Joe, we could just like, here's broadly what GI Joe is. Let's make sure that the book covers broadly what GI Joe is. And if specifically you want to do something like renegades where GI Joe are like the, the, the rebels that are on the run from the law, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Even if it's not directly supported by the lore, so, yeah, G.I. Joe, by comparison to Power Rangers, is easy. And Mask, by comparison to G.I. Joe, is super easy. So, I do hope we get that license. I just... I'm worried that looking at it from, like, the value of the IP, they might say, like, but who really loves Mask? Mask is just not something that has ever made a comeback. It had, the like, the one comic book resurgence from IDW, and that was really more tied into the broader uh, Hasbro universe that idW was trying to put together I think that there is potential for mask so who uh, so hopefully that's something we uh, we can carry on with anyway that's that's definitely for the future uh but then Bucky O'Hare Bucky O'Hare I believe believe is owned by the creator, uh which I think is Larry Hama exclusively or it might be Larry Hama and a co-creator And I know that the last Bucky hero Action Figures came out from Boss Fight Studios. So, yeah, Hasbro did the toys, but I don't think it's a Hasbro IP. I think it is a creator-owned IP that Hasbro licensed back in the 80s and um, is not one of their intellectual properties. I don't know. There's a lot of crossover there. And Hasbro uh, has been buying so many other toy companies like... um, Bug 283 is asking who owns Mask. Is it Deke Hasbro or Kenner? It was Kenner. Hasbro owns Kenner, and so Hasbro owns Mask. Uh and Hasbro right now also has the license for um Ghostbusters. And I've seen some people saying, like, oh, then make a real Ghostbusters uh Essence 20 game because it's a Hasbro IP, and it's like, oh no, I think Hasbro's licensing from somebody else who owns that IP. Not that we can only create Hasbro branded stuff i know that's the first four but i don't think there's anything in that license restricting us from getting a different company's uh intellectual property and making essence 20 game i'm not sure again this is completely outside of my uh, knowledge as someone who works uh, with renegade this is purely as me being a fan of essence 20 and hoping we get a lot more intellectual property based on it so um i honestly the only intellectual properties especially hasbro specific that i know are the four that have been announced so um, so yeah, so how open was Hasbro left the doors for possible future IPs? Ultimately, I really don't know. All right, Bunk283. Any other Easter eggs in the Core Rulebook like Raw Beef? So um, Raw Beef is, uh, just for people that maybe didn't read the adventure, is one of the people that you will fight. This is not really a spoiler. And the reason I put Raw Beef in there is that, and, and sorry, it's a guy named Beef with a drone named Raw Um, which I I cannot tell you what Raw stands for. It's an acronym, but that would actually be a spoiler. But Raw Beef was a pitched and never produced concept for a Cobra Spider Handler. And the file card was specifically going to say that he sneaks into G.I. Joe's tents and puts poisonous spiders in their boots and then leaves. And that was going to be his thing. And we have no idea anything else because art was never created for this character. This was just, at some point, somebody at Hasbro pitched this character and... It eventually got out like 30 years later that, you know, there was this character that for some reason was named Raw Beef, probably would not have been that name by the time it got out. But yeah, so uh, Raw Beef, I snuck in a Raw Beef um, cameo into the adventure because I just, I needed, I needed to uh, flesh out the bad guys, but I still for the most part wanted them to be just like the troopers that you would recognize just because I didn't want to supersede a spot that could be reserved for another established character established type of trooper. But I also wanted um, I wanted to have at least one thing that you can use on, on the handle animal animal handling. I forget, what, Yeah. Animal handling skill on. And so I was like, you know, I, I could try and put in like there's no animal viper. I could have put in like a desert scorpion or something, but that, that would have been already uh, like a, a stretch so if I was going to stretch, I stretched. I stretched as far as I could. And raw beef is the most obscure thing in the Jai role-playing game. But are there any other Easter eggs? So, oh, yes, there are. Oh, you know what? Uh, there's, one, there's one thing that I really did that I'm really happy with. And I don't know if I want to spoil it or if I want to wait for other people to find it. One person so far has found it, pointed it out, and I chuckled that they found it uh and they had the exact reaction i wanted them to so i don't want to spoil that as far as like it's hard to say what's an easter egg and what is just a reference to the ip because just about everything that uh i wrote that's an example is inspired by a comic story a cartoon story something that's mentioned on a file card um yeah like there's there's virtually no lore that i made up so everything what section is that easter egg in okay i will tell you that that easter egg is in the threats so um good luck but um like i i can say that not easter eggs but obscure pulls. i could tell you what some of my actually did ask me for favorites or just other examples any other easter eggs in the book like raw beef uh, and this was by Bunk283. I don't think I gave Bunk credit for the question. Um, no, so I'm not going to say Easter eggs. I can say some of the more obscure pulls, which are I definitely wanted the stall siblings to be in the book, and that's why we get Barrel Roll, um, Bomb Strike, and Blackout all get mentioned in there. And blackout gets a stat block and is the only obscure character not from like basically the only character that gets a stat block that wasn't featured in the sunbow animated series which is kind of like when you think of the most famous version of the gi joes that's usually what people think of and blackhouse the only character that and in fact i don't think he's been in any animation uh he was definitely not in those uh direct-to-video animations but anyway i, I like the story of the Saul siblings and i like that it was told exclusively through file cards which I like that this is a brand that's told stories through comics, through cartoons, and through file cards all the way since the beginning. And so there is just some version of the G.I. Joe story that is exclusive to the file cards. And it's not the same as what people are getting if they read the comics or watch the cartoon. So anyway, so they are, I don't know if I'd call them obscure. Because if you knew Spy Troops era, you definitely knew the Stall Siblings um, conflict uh, I'm just going through the active rosters because there's a couple of characters in here that are definitely obscure. Kamakura is in here uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because if people remember, um, if people were in any of the playtests, at one point there was a martial artist class and so I wanted to make sure there were a variety of martial arts characters. And one of the bonuses of Kamakura is that he's martial artist, but he's not Asian, which is important. I didn't want just the only martial arts characters to be Asian characters, whereas Kamakura is white, uh, Irish, I believe. Um, But one of the other reasons that Kamakura is in there is because in his first appearance of Devil's Do, when uh, General Hawk and Duke are meeting the new recruits, Hawk sees him and says, like, what's the Green Ranger doing here? And it's like, you know what? Kamakura can hang out with the Green Ranger. In fact, if you really wanted to, you could build Kamakura as a Green Ranger, similar to how we built Snake Eyes as a Green Ranger a couple episodes or yeah, two episodes ago on the upshift. So that's one of the reasons. Just in my head, I was like, there's already... The only, the only G.I. Joe Power Rangers crossover that I know of is a pop culture reference that General Hawk makes in a comic, and Comic-Core is the recipient of that pop culture reference, so Comic-Core needs to be in here just for Essence 20 crossover reasons. But then, uh, other Easter eggs, other obscure things. Oh, you know what? Um... No, I saw something about Lady J, and there was something that I... Put in there, but I don't. I can't verbalize it right now. So it's anyway. It's not a big deal. Um, Stiletto. Stiletto is an extremely obscure character. At one point, Amazon Prime let authors use uh, intellectual properties uh, that had signed up, and Hasbro had signed up with GI Joe, and so an author wrote a story about a uh, GI Joe bodyguard named Stiletto, and so Stiletto made the cut for being really obscure. Uh, Stone is a character that I didn't think of as that obscure because. Uh, Okay, actually, I I can go a little bit into why Stone's in the book. So, I've said several times that I wanted to make sure that no matter what era of G.I. Joe you grew up with, you would recognize a character that was specific to your era. And Stone, or Lieutenant Stone, was a character in uh, Sigma Six. He was introduced in the second season of Sigma Six. Sigma Six cartoon is not great, but the second season, I think, actually had a pretty good uh, mystery plot, where there were two new recruits... And everyone was suspecting that Lieutenant Stone was a double agent because things just started going bad as soon as Lieutenant Stone joined the team. But it was actually Firefly, who was Joe, but it was secretly a Cobra. The same Firefly we all know and love. Um, Spoilers for Sigma-6. Anyway, so uh, Stone plays a major role in that second season of Sigma-6. But he is also Brendan Fraser's character in Rise of Cobra. Uh, He's Sergeant Stone at that point, which is why... He doesn't have a a mechanical arm or an eye patch, And um, G.I. Joe Extreme had a character named Sergeant Stone. And I don't know anything about G.I. Joe Extreme, or very little. I never watched it. I never read any comic. I have never owned any of the action figures. And I'm not even sure if I've been in the same room as a G.I. Joe Extreme action figure. And so I kind of felt bad that there was just... That was a chunk of the G.I. Joe lore that I was just totally ignorant to and was not getting represented in this book even though it's technically part of the Judge Over's Cobra canon. So um I didn't want just like any GI Joe because like we're not really referencing the the 12 inch stuff although I think Joe Colton might get name dropped at one point in there. But anyway, if it was just its own thing that got rebooted and never went anywhere, I wouldn't have minded. But GI Joe uh when GI Joe Real American Hero was canceled in 1994, 1995 they introduced um Uh, sergeant savage and the screaming eagles sergeant savage is a blatant captain america ripoff he was a world war ii soldier who was frozen cryogenically frozen returned in the 90s and was bringing back the 50s or no world war ii so uh 40s military values to uh the screaming eagles and there was a direct to um or sorry, one of the Sergeant Savage action figures came with a VHS copy of the pilot for a Sergeant Savage and the Screaming Eagles animated series. And first of all, at one point he calls them these Howling Commandos. And I think the writers just got confused about whether they were writing Howling Commandos or Screaming Eagles and nobody caught it because it was such a ripoff of Marvel properties. But anyway, in this VHS copy, uh, in this VHS cartoon, um, it's General Hawk and Lady J are the ones that are bringing him back into, um, uh, into into the modern military. And so he's a spinoff of our G.I. Joe, not just any G.I. Joe. And then G.I. Joe Extreme replaced Sergeant Savage in the Screaming Eagles, but one of the G.I. Joe Extreme characters was Sergeant Savage. And so technically there's this through line from 1982 all the way to 1990. 1990- 6 or 97 when gi joe extreme got cancelled and there is technically a connection between all three of those brands and again i didn't know anything about gi joe extreme and so by having lieutenant stone in there or just stone because his uh his rank fluctuates depending on the property i thought was at least some kind of nod to gi joe extreme uh any other easter eggs? so yeah that's that's the closest thing to another easter egg that including stone in there is the closest thing gi joe extreme gets to getting uh any kind of coverage in this book all right um we've been getting a lot of comments in chat and i have not been keeping up with them because i've still got my questions here so i'll go through the questions that are from the original batch and then i'll see what i can add to my list here nerd hedron mobile i'll try not to uh I'm lying. I was going to lie to you. I was going to say I'll try not to talk so long, but if you ask me to talk about GI Joe, and specifically this GI Joe role playing game, I will talk for a long time. All right, Nerd Hedron, what are some of the parts of the GI Joe game you think are the coolest? I think the pets' rules turned out really well. So I did the equipment chapter, uh, and after the introduction, this was the first thing I wrote. And so, again, the rules were still in fluctuation, so I didn't really know how attacks worked. But I knew, like, we need range. We need this, then we need that. And we needed traits to define the weapons differently. And when... Um, yeah, when it was decided this was going to be a low-health, low-damage game, it's like, okay, so differentiating the different parts of the equipment is going to be tough. And I think that the, the equipment section... I, I'm happy with how it turned out. I think there's a lot of reason to look at a lot of different weapons. There's some things that... In retrospect, I'm realizing it should have been done differently. Like the power tool was something that I was really happy with, uh, but now that I've played a character that used the power tool, I realize oh the and power tools are restricted weapon. But I realize that the not the short bludgeon, um, one of the other martial arts weapons. The oh yeah, the limited long blade is just better than the power tool, and I'm kind of disappointed. So I think that the power tool needed something to beef it up, and it's not there not it's not beefed up enough to be um to justify it being restricted but anyway so um yeah so i did the equipment chapter this was being developed as the things going i really like what we did with requisition i think that it ended up being really clever i was worried gms would be like oh every single time we do a mission we have to do this uh, this shopping spree but from what i've seen players really like this section of it and when your players are engaged with something that the gm doesn't need to be involved in as a gm i love that that gives me a chance to just like collect my thoughts look to the future so requisitioning is something that i thought was good and i was worried had problems and from what i've seen does not have those problems i think that if people do long-term campaigns eventually they will find their own shorthand for these sections like you don't always have to role play out the requisitioning. you can just do a series of skill tests you can even just trust your players and have them do their roles while you uh, go off and refresh your tea or whatever um but yeah i do think that the requisitioning did not have the issue that i was worried it might have but then I was, I was in the equipment chapter specifically for the pets so um pets is a major part of gi joe it's not something that you see in power rangers to my knowledge and it's not it, it we didn't want to do the pets the same way in transformers because the stuff like the the cassettes, it's a different relationship than pets because those are like independent characters. They're not just like there's a difference between Ravage and Junkyard as far as uh, their independence. So anyway, so um, coming up with the pets, coming up with a way to tie them into the characters so that they're not overpowering the characters. And that they are uh, interesting, but we also don't have to stat out every single possible animal you could ever need. I think that we found a nice balance and that animal pets and drone pets are distinct, but more or less follow the same schema, follow the same rules. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm very happy with the pets and I know I've seen a lot of people in the Power Rangers channels talking about how ooh these pet rules are making me consider buying the Joe rulebook and in some cases people buying the G.I.J. rulebook specifically for the idea of getting pets. It is one of the crunchier elements of the game, but I hope it's intuitively crunchy. Like, I know that we wanted a a simple, straightforward system, and the equipment chapter pushes that, but my hope is that everything makes sense, so that when you have to be a little bit more mechanically complicated, you can just follow the logic so that the mechanical side of it isn't that isn't as intimidating as you might think. So yeah, so what are some of the cool parts of the game? Besides the game as a whole, which I think turned out really well. I think that the pets are specifically a very fun uh, element to the game that, if you are intimidated by, completely optional. You don't have to play a character with a pet. And if you're GMing, the playing of the pet is super simple. It's The creating of the pet is where it gets a little more complicated, and players can do that in their own time. All right, David Sims asks, "Uh, they have all been in each... All right, well, that's not a question. That was just something I copied and pasted. With other questions. Dave Sims. Um, yep. Yeah, nope. That was all just a conversation. So now that means i am officially done the questions that I gathered at the beginning. And I'm officially at my hour. And I have absolutely no problem continuing beyond my hour. It's just going to take me a minute to go through the questions and see what y'all have been asking in the main, in the meantime. All right. Uh, Bunk283. Softball, what's your favorite vehicle? Uh, I, I assume you're saying in the book. Because, like... If we're just talking about all G.I. Joe vehicles, that can that could take a while. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I probably should have an answer for this. I like the Shark. I like that it's something... Because when we were designing options, I always was like, okay, it's got to be... If we're doing vehicles, we got to do land, sea, and air vehicles. Even though the sea vehicles, it's a lot more unlimited of a selection. And the Shark is really good for that. The Shark just being a a jet that could be a submarine it covers two different roles Uh, it plays nice simple and straightforward uh and it's iconic and there's a lot you can do you can replace the torpedoes with two more passengers so yeah i like that a lot Ah, i like the skyhawk skyhawk something i've always enjoyed the visual of um you know the game probably didn't need the skyhawk since it had the shark but i couldn't not have the skyhawk as far as iconic vehicles on the gi joe side like cobra's got iconic vehicles the hiss tank trouble bubbles the claw um, the rattler like i think cobra's vehicles are better known and like easier to visualize than a lot of the gi joe vehicles but the skyhawk i think is one that you hear the name you immediately picture it and it looks like nothing else on earth so you know i'm gonna say skyhawk's my favorite that was uh bunk 283's question all right uh nerd saying jamming style i totally get that cool not a question though so let's keep going um bug 283 are there going to be different settings for gi joe maybe separated in the books like renegades versus marvel comics versus 80s cartoons versus idw uh so this is not something that's been announced right now and so far the idea was always that this would be the evergreen version of G.I. Joe, which creates a couple of uh, questions of how to handle certain things, specifically Serpentor, because Serpentor existed in a moment of time where the Cobras were frustrated with Cobra Commander, so they created a replacement for Cobra Commander, and then Cobra Commander usurped him. Like It was the same pattern in the comics and the cartoon, if you count the, the Deke continuation of the Sunbow series, of the cartoon as the what actually happens to serpentor in that continuity which would be reasonable to do because we know from the transformers cartoon that cobra commander comes back from being a snake and um you know gets more of a humanoid form and has some kind of influence we don't know what happened to serpentor but we knew you know that cobra commander is not a snake forever so anyway um yeah so then the question is like if we're going to include serpentor Do we have to say that means Cobra Commander has failed and we're getting a replacement for Cobra Commander? And if we have Serpentor, and we know that there is an end point to the original Serpentor story, what about the options that come out after Serpentor? Like, Headman. If we were to ever introduce Headman, Cobra's drug dealer, a character that was only invented long after Serpentor was dead and written out of two different continuities, are we breaking some kind of... uh, some kind of continuity by doing that. And then the other thing is Cobra Law, which um, is a retcon. It retcons and says that everything you think about Cobra is a lie. It's actually this ancient, uh, these ancient insectoid people. So both Serpentor and Cobra Law gets explored in the Cobra book, but hopefully we did it in such a way that if you are trying to match one specific continuity, it's not, disrupting things by having these moment of time options in the game like i guess the same thing if we had done venomous maximus venomous maximus was when cobra captured general hawk mutated him into this like incredible hulk type bestial uh, bestial monster with general hawk's tactical mind and had him as the new tactician of cobra it was it was like a new version of the serpentor story Some of the details are different, but there's... Anyway, if we were to ever even mention Venomous Maximus, what does that mean? Does that mean that you have lost General Hawk as an NPC on the G.I. Joe side? If not, is Venomous Maximus not General Hawk? And if he's not, who cares about Venomous Maximus? The only interesting thing about him is that he's General Hawk turned into a Cobra character. So um, that's the kind of stuff that the Power Rangers team has to deal with all the time. And so I'm glad we don't have to deal with that so much. So... For the moment, the setting is an evergreen version of G.I. Joe that you as the GM and your players can decide how you are going to infuse it because especially when it comes to the the original comic and the original cartoon, both of them are supported. Neither one is excluded. Something like Renegades or the G.I. Joe series that introduced Tiger, uh, those are the ones that are a little harder because... The dynamic is flipped. Cobra's the not good guys, but they're in control. And G.I. Joe is the plucky, smaller Rebels. So that's harder to do um, with the lore. Like, you'd have to ignore the lore in the books. But mechanically, it's all the same thing. And I guess that's the other thing. Like, if we introduce a book that's just the 80s cartoons, it's the same game. It's the same roles. It's the same everything. So we'd have to come up with new roles that are specific to the cartoon, And then the idea is like, well, the cartoon is different from the comic because the cartoon's a little sillier. It's a little pulpier. But we don't want to make the silly book that makes fun of the cartoon. So we would have to find a balance of the tone of the cartoon that still fits uh, narratively and like acknowledges that the cartoon, I think, had some really fun storytelling style and really brought a lot of those characters to life. Anyway, um, so yeah, at the moment, nothing's been announced and I don't know how uh, we would go about exploring that. Alright, uh, we're actually running low on questions. I think we're almost done. Screaming Eagles. Uh, okay, referencing Screaming Eagles. Uh, Bunk 283 was Bloody Poetry or Make the Suckers Jump or Dance or G.I. Jokes. Oh, uh, he's guessing if those are the Easter eggs I was talking about. No, it's it's much more obscure than that, and it's those are straight-up references. Like people should, I think, recognize that Major Blood's first file card makes a big deal about the fact that he is a terrible poet and make these suckers jump and dance. That's the kind of thing that it's just like, all right, so today's my major blood day. So I got to read everything I know about major blood and infuse as much of it as possible into the, uh, the, the threat stat block. Um, so yeah, so those, I wouldn't consider Easter eggs as much as just using the lore to, you know, create the flavor of the books. Um, and GI jokes is something that I think a few different characters say it in different things. So, no, no, those, none of those are the threat's Easter eggs. It's more obscure than that. And it's uh, maybe it's not even counts as an Easter egg. Maybe it's just something that I find amusing. Uh, Bunk283, if you want me to spoil what this is, you can message me. And I probably shouldn't have said that because now everyone's going to want the same treatment. And I might get a whole bunch of people messaging me about something that I want people to find out on their own. So I take it back, Bunk283. You're on your own. All right, Uh, I guess we'll go with Bunk 283's last question, and we'll see, uh, we'll call that a night. Can you go over what books are going to be released? I know you've stated the Cobra book a few times, and an equipment book question mark, as well as a four-part adventure. So, uh, nope. the equipment, uh, maybe, I don't know if you jumped in at a a weird point. The equipment book was one of three books that I've heard people want. Nothing has been announced about uh, an equipment book. The only books that have been announced after the core rule book are the Cobra book, and the four-part adventure Operation Cold Iron. I I can go a little bit more into each of those, but what would you like to know? That's, I guess, the main question. And we'll officially wrap things up. So if anyone has specific questions about the Cobra book or Operation Cold Iron... All right, so you want to know about Operation Cold Iron? Operation Cold Iron is the four-part adventure. Um, If you play Snake Pit... Uh, which is the adventure in the core rulebook, and then Emerald Oubliette, which comes out in the GM screen. And I guess I should mention, I was mentioning the Cobra book and the 4 Adventure as coming out, but the the GM screen also comes with an adventure, so I guess that counts as the second G.I. Joe book that'll be out there. So uh, Emerald Oubliette takes you from first level to second level. Operation Cold Iron, I believe, starts at second level and takes you all the way up to sixth level, maybe? It, It is a fairly dense adventure book, so it's a four-part... You know what? Saying it's a four-part adventure is not fair. Um, because if you think of Operation... oh Sorry, if you think of Snake Pit, which is the one in the G.I. Joe uh, core rulebook, that's technically a four-part adventure. Imagine each of the four parts of Operation Cold Iron is about three times longer than Snake Pit, and then there's four of them, and they're, mechan- uh, they're thematically tied together. You could run them um, each on their own, although... Three and four really do go from one directly into the other. But it's basically, it's four published adventures for uh, gems that are new to the system, not entirely sure what to do uh, for their own adventures yet. And so uh, it shows you, this is how you do a requisition phase, which is one of my only regrets about Snake Pit, that we have this big deal, this new mechanic called requisition phase, and then the one adventure that people have seen, once you get the core rulebook, does not have a requisition phase. So... Getting uh, Emerald Oubliette... I, I actually... I have never seen Emerald uh, I So I don't know what actually made it into there. So there's very little I could talk about that. That was written by Brian, who's from the Power Rangers team. Um, and, it, like, I, I only have vague awareness of what the plot is. And I can't spoil any of it. But I do know that Operation Cold Iron is going to give you a real, like, template for... Not, not literal, but if you reverse engineer how those adventures work. It'll give you a template for how to introduce... Uh, an adventure how to do the requisition phase how to uh issue your rewards at the end and then how to continue from one adventure to the other i'm guessing it's one book yes sorry I, if I haven't said that operation gold iron is a single book with these four adventures in it it's uh not four linked separate books right so it is one adventure path if you want to think of it that way but it is a single book uh i don't know if it's soft cover or hard cover it might be big enough for hardcover. It is a big adventure. Um, I look forward to when more information is out there about that, because I know the adventure side of it, but I don't know uh, what the production is going to look like on that, other than that preview of the cover, which I like very much, which is a whole bunch of Joes and Winter gear fighting a snake armor uh, in its blue variety, because you may be familiar with the white snake armor, which was the first one, but there was a rare re-release and recoloring of the snake armor uh, in blue, and so that is the one that we chose for uh, one of the sections of the book, which is depicted in the art. What's so the page count approximately? I believe it's 64 pages. I think it is up on the Renegade site, so I will go and see what Renegade.com, so RenegadeGamesStudios.com, has to say about Operation Cold Iron. And then I kind of feel like we are uh, dragging on here, so. We'll finish it here. It is a $45 book. So that kind of gives you an idea. It's only $10 less than the core rulebook. So that's a good idea of just how big this is. Uh, pre-order now for a Q2 release. For a limited time, pre-order uh, will come with a PDF of Operation Cold Iron. Cool. Okay. So same deal. If you pre-order Operation Cold Iron, you'll get a chance to get the PDF for free. Uh, pick it up where Emerald Oubliette leaves off. This four-part adventure takes three to six G.I. characters from level two all the way up to level six. This world-trotting adventure takes your squad... From the fiery deserts of Addis Ababa to the frozen plateaus of Siberia. Get behind the wheel of classic Jejo vehicles like the Polar Battle Bear and Snowcat. Facing off against iconic Cobra tech like the Histank Tank and Snake Armor. So we do not have the page count there. And I do not want to ballpark it and set the wrong expectations. So that's all I got right there. Uh, and on that note, uh, we're going to... Wrap up this episode of the upshift We are not going to do the downshift Which is the uh, after show we've done For the last couple of episodes of the upshift I have been talking for uh, An hour and a half almost And so uh, I don't know what questions you can have in the downshift That I haven't covered in the upshift Um, So uh, Anyway like I I think you've all heard me talk enough I think I've talked enough tonight So we're going to close it there Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 News Reviews and Interviews podcast. If you haven't picked it up yet, the G.I. Joe Playing Game Core Rulebook is now available. It uh, should be available in stores, and it's uh, out there. You can get the PDF, you can get the hard copy, and hopefully you are getting your groups together and you are playing the game. If you have any questions about the game, I'm usually on the Renegade Discord and the Renegade Facebook groups. And if people tag me, I try to pay attention to when I'm being tagged and to answer those questions as much as possible. And if there's any rules that need clarifying, people asking me questions has directly impacted what goes to the FAQ. That is up on the Renegade site. Also, if you have questions, you might want to check the Renegade uh, website for the FAQ for the Role Playing Game Core Rulebook. Stuff got in. It was a major endeavor. This is almost 400 pages, and unfortunately, every now and then, some of the rules were not uh, as clear or as uh, concise as we wanted them to be. Um, If you would like to support shows like this on the No Direction Network, you can join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com, look for No Direction, and for as little as however much money you contribute to us, you can uh, support the network, which has been putting out game material, support material for role-playing games like Pathfinder and Essence 20. We've been doing it for close to 15 years now. Uh, We rarely take advertisement. We are not sponsored by Renegade or Paizo. This is all fan, passion run. It happens to be created, or it happens to be run by a whole bunch of people that contribute to those books. And so uh, we happen to have inside knowledge and a little more personal flair that we can add to uh, our products, like our blogs and our podcasts. Um, And if you do contribute... Uh, at least five dollars a month, then you get access to our after shows, which take place here on Discord. You also get access to the Patreon section of our Discord, and you would get audio for those after shows, which release to Patreon usually within a week or two weeks of the after show being recorded. Until next time, I'm Ryan Costello. This has been Upshift. We hope this upshift leads to your critical success.